Good morning, church family at Westmobile. It's a joy to be with you today. My name is Jason, uh, and by the grace of God and the prayers of my mother and many of you, this is my wife, Sarah. And it is a joy to share this story with you because so many of you were a part of this. You were a part of this for decades because uh, our, Sarah and I have both been a part of this church for a long time. And so as we tell this story, there is a, a unique joy in it because uh, pretty much every piece of it that we talk about here, uh, some of you were a part of. And at the very least, you were praying for us. And so that is uh, meaningful to the point where I wrote down every word I would say so that I wouldn't cry through it, uh, which may or may not happen anyway. But uh, we are so grateful for this church because you have been a part of this testimony story for us. And now we hope to uh, give back a little bit of that to you, that you may see and hear how God has been faithful and how he has worked, that this is a time uh, of sharing testimony with you of God's faithfulness and his work in our lives and work through this church. But it's also a testimony of God's mission, of how he has called, how he has sent, how he has worked in our lives and, and through us for his ministry. And so we're excited to share that with you today. Uh, when it comes to missions, we often talk about calling. Before we get into the, the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about today, it's helpful to clarify what we mean by that. The calling means a couple of different things. There's first the calling to salvation, where God calls us to believe in Him, that God calls us to salvation through His Spirit, to believe in His Son for our salvation. Second, there's the calling of the Great Commission, which is for all believers, all who are in Christ, all who believe in Him and are saved by Him. We are called... Uh, to share our faith and to make disciples in our neighborhoods and to the nations. When we talk about missions, we mean people who go from one people group, like Mobile, Alabama, and people here, to another, like Filipinos on the island of Davao in the southern Philippines. But the task of missions is not just in the nations, it is in our neighborhoods here. So this leads me to another way that we speak of calling. The calling to ministry or mission is more specific and encompassing of one's life. Sarah and I have both discerned that call in our lives, which has been affirmed by our church, which is you guys, and now our church in Hattiesburg. You'll hear in our story the working out of our callings as we seek God, and the way we seek to practice those callings, both in our experience among other people groups, and as we minister and make disciples now in Hattiesburg. The second thing is to make sure we're on the same page about what the mission of God is. In God's Word, we see His work in creation, the climax of which is the creation of humanity, of Adam and Eve, and in God's image. We see them placed in the, in the garden where they are, uh, it's a place of provision, safety, and relationship with God with no separation. But then the fall, through humanity's choice, sin entered the world bringing brokenness to what was whole. That the expanse of the universe, the core of ourselves, there is brokenness within us that we cannot fix. But even in the midst of that brokenness, God introduced his solution, his promised redemption. The story of scripture is God's redemptive work in all of creation. His reconciling work to erase the brokenness of sin and restore both creation and humanity into relationship with him. The mission of God is to restore the worship of God that is due to him. It is telling the good news to all people so that they may know their God who loves them and his offered salvation. Here's a little piece of the story of God's faithfulness to us. I hope it allows you to see a bit of both his great power and his great love. Some of you have heard pieces of our stories already, and so again I say part of this is a celebration with you as you have prayed for us and gone with us on this journey. And this is our testimony of how God has been at work, is at work, and will continue to work. 
So the last time that I was on this stage to speak was on a Sunday morning during Missions Month, um, but it was in February of 2019. And I stood up here that morning and I cried <laughs> as I watched a video that um, I had sent to Wemo um, the previous December to share about the ministry that I was a part of in the Philippines as we were sending out church planners to unreached islands of Southeast Asia. Um, that Sunday morning that I spoke here on this stage, um, I did not plan to be here. Um, I did not plan on being back in the U.S. from the Philippines for much, much later, but my plans drastically changed, and I found myself on this stage with an unexpected diagnosis while also comparing missions to pancakes and waffles that morning, if you were there. I don't maybe you remember that, but um, thinking, how could God possibly be at work in any of this? I grew up in a family that was committed to church ministry, gospel ministry. And uh, you guys know my parents who are sitting right over here, Thomas and Donna Wright. Uh, many of you know Sarah's parents as well, who were part of this church for a long time, Mike and Christy Long. Uh, and in part, I was a, a part of the youth ministry here as a teenager. I went from there to University of Mobile. I served as a youth minister at several different churches until I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina for seminary. Four years later, I moved to Los Angeles. As I simultaneously worked on a Ph.D. program, which I washed out of, was producer of a YouTube channel, which I was fired from, and was a church planner, the only church of which I was fully accountable for, didn't make it. I don't want to make that time sound like a wash, because it wasn't. God was at work through all of those things. It was a deep, deeply meaningful and formative time in my life, and the fact that it ended with some failure didn't mean that it ended in failure, because God used all that stuff to teach me some things, to teach me about real truth and the nearness of his love, of his power over circumstances, of his sufficiency, and what it meant to fully depend upon him, and also of his deliverance from pain and hurt. So my family moved to Mobile, Alabama when I was five years old, um, and we very quickly became members here at WeMo. Um, I grew up here in this church. Uh, you guys are the ones that taught me how to love God through his word. You guys taught me how to pray. Thank you for that. Um, you guys taught me how to love people. Um, I was sent on my first mission trip from this church um, with a group of probably some other people in here. Went um, to Ukraine to serve um, at a, a, an English camp there. Um, I learned about God's mission and love for the nations through this church um, and began to discern what what I felt God was, was more specifically leading me to serve him among the nations in a more vocational way. So um, I moved to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to go to school at the University of Southern Mississippi to the top. <laughs> um, so in my time there, I joined a church that continued to, to pour into me as God gave me opportunities to travel to places I had never heard of or thought I would ever go um, to share the gospel of the good news of Jesus. And for the first time, um, I met people that told me they had never heard the story about Jesus. I'm pretty sure that summer after I came back, um, one summer I was in Thailand, and that's just really when God just changed my heart. And I'm pretty sure I, I, I came back and I told you guys, I said, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that there were people that, that um, would grow up 
and were pursuing college degrees like I was and um, would have a family, would have a job, um, have a successful life in the world's eyes and never hear the name of Jesus, never have the opportunity to accept the, the gift of salvation. Um, and so I was, I was changed forever. I couldn't unhear the voices that I had seen or, or, or heard and unsee the faces that, of my new friends. Um, and so, yeah, there, it just, it changed me. There were that knowing that there was no one to tell them the story of how they could know God. So in this season of, of college, I, I came back often to Mobile, um, as I wrestled with, with what I had seen and heard while overseas. And so my friends and family here at, at WeMo um, continued just to encourage me to, to pray and seek God's wisdom for what he was leading me to do. And so when I graduated from USM, I moved to the Philippines with the International Mission Board, which is the Southern Baptist Convention's sending agency. So I moved um, to the Philippines to serve among the unreached there and to mobilize churches um, in that area, equipping them to apply the Great Commission. And um, so I, you know, I had this idea of what, what God was leading me to do. And what, what I didn't realize was that God's call to mission was actually a call to himself. <laughs> um, and in order for us to come to God, we must first deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him, even when it doesn't look like what we thought it would. Hmm. And talking about mission, it's important to, to place this in the story of scripture. As I mentioned earlier, this creation, in the beginning, God creates everything. And he placed humanity in the garden. It is, again, that place of God's goodness, his justice, his grace, his love, his community, his safety. But this didn't last. Adam and Eve chose their sin. They chose their own self-sufficiency over the sufficiency of a loving God. Sin shattered God's perfect creation. Brokenness became a part of all creation, down to the core of ourselves. Where we were made in God's image, now that image was obscured. And we had no hope of redemption by our own efforts. But in the midst of that brokenness, God introduced his work of redemption. The story of scripture is God's redeeming work. All the work of God is reconciliation. He is reconciling us to himself. He's reconciling us to each other through the work of Christ. The mission of God is to share the love of God through Christ for the world. That they may know him. That they may be reconciled and restored to him. To enjoy the restoration of all things where all the nations are gathered together in worship of the king. Revelation 21 and 22. While I was in L.A., I got to see some incredible work of God throughout that great city. I served as a pastor, as a church planner, and as a strategist for mission work in the region. It's over 200 languages spoken in the city, and the population of it is somewhere over 18 million people in the metro area. To me, it was a glimpse of the kingdom. All those people on top of each other, gathered together and seeking meaning and purpose and, and trying to find ways for their dreams to come true. And we were seeking to bring them together, not just by those things, but through the worship of God, that they may know him. It was a joy to be a bystander and at times participant in God's great work there. But my place in that tapestry of God's work was short-lived. See, I'm leaving out a big part of this. I married my first wife while I was in seminary. And I did all the things you're supposed to do. We went through, uh, I was a leader in the church while we were dating, engaged and married. I moved with her to L.A. with L.A. dreams of making it big and, and with the way that God had gifted us. But following God doesn't require ability. It requires faith. And that faith was going to be tested. Some of you heard me talk before about identity. 
we find our identity in all sorts of different things. We find it in where we're from. We find it in our family or even sports teams. Whatever we choose to, to identify with is where we find that identity. It could be anything. My wife found her identity in places other than her faith. Which, you know, it must have felt like torture every week to be a part of a church where she felt like she had to put on a face and pretend to be someone that she wasn't. To make a dramatic and painful story short, she left and started a new life for herself. And then I learned a few things about grief. Because I never really understood that. Not really. Not a grief that defines you. It encompasses you. It becomes all you can see. The hardest grief comes from things that go beyond hurt, but they break the way you look at the world. And what I mean by that is, is things that you never, ever, ever thought would happen. Things that you didn't think were possible or that could ever happen to you, then they happen to you. And so not only is it sad and does it hurt, it's that you don't even know how to look at the world anymore. And in those moments... I had to decide, do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? That God is really at work and he's really active. And looking back on those moments, those are the times where God was the nearest that I have ever experienced him. In the midst of that kind of hurt and that kind of redefinition of oneself, finding God in that moment was incredibly powerful. But that is also the near and immediate love that God offers to all of us. That no matter what hurt, no matter what trauma, no matter what we face and we go through, that God offers his love to us imminently. It is near to us. It is, he is as near to us as he will ever be. And God is at work in that way. He was at work in a way, for me, that would demonstrate his power, his trustworthiness, his nearness, and ultimately his love. On January 17th of 2019, I read this scripture in my Bible and I put the date next to it so that I wouldn't forget. Um, it's Joshua 21 verses 43 through 45. I'm going to read it. It says, thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and they settled there and the Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. But then it was this verse. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. But you see, I, I hadn't seen that yet. I hadn't seen that the good promises that the Lord had made, um, I hadn't seen them come to pass yet. Because at this point, I was still in the Philippines. On January 17th, I was in the hospital in Davao City. Um, because I had just been diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. Um, my pancreas had stopped making insulin um, probably months before that, and I had become really very sick. Um, the doctors were struggling to get my blood sugar under control, and the decision was finally made for me to come back to the U.S. And so my teammates um, very quickly packed my bags for me uh, while I was still in the hospital, and Really, without being able to say goodbye to many people, um, within 24 hours, I was in Mobile, Alabama. I heard a story. There's a guy walking down the street, and he falls in a hole. He can't get out. It's just too steep. There's no way out. And he starts shouting up, hey, can somebody help me? And a doctor passes by, and he shouts up, hey, doctor, can you help me? And the doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole, and keeps moving. And then a priest comes by, and he says, hey, father, can you help me? And the priest writes out a prayer throws it down in the hole, and keeps walking. And then a friend walks by. He says, hey, Mike, can, can you help me? And then Mike jumps down in the hole, and our guy says, man, are you stupid? 
Now we're both stuck down here. But his friend says, you don't understand. I've been down here before, and I know the way out. This is what the church does. And this is what this church did for us. That in the midst of our hurt and brokenness and, and redefining ourselves and trying to find ourselves in it, that we saw that the church is not afraid to, to stick their hands into the real muck of the really broken world, to jump down in a hole with somebody and say, you are not alone and we are not going to quit. And that is what Christian community is meant to be, that this isn't just a message that's proclaimed in pulpits. It's demonstrated by the way that we show love. The purpose of a sermon, the purpose of the proclamation of God's word and his gospel is compelling us to action that is not uh, for the sake of leadership or numbers, it is for the sake of putting aside ourselves and trusting in God himself to do the work. So, unsure of what was next for me and honestly just processing a lot of cultural and medical transitions that I was going through, I spent several months here in Mobile with my family and here with you guys at WeMo, being loved um, and cared for and prayed for by many of you and all the ladies in the lunch bunch group. <laughs> was, um, and so one day I came to have lunch with Donna Wright and I walked into her office and there with his feet on her desk eating gummy bears was Jason Wright. It had, been, um, it had been a long time since we had seen each other, probably like eight years, um, and we just said that we needed to catch up soon. Um, but this is not a story about how God brought Jason and I together, but how God was just consistently present um, with both of us and faithful to his promise to redeem and restore brokenness. Um, so long story short, uh, through the care and counsel of many friends and family and April and Kevin Cobb, uh, Jason and I were dating by the end of that summer. Um, so I was moving back to Hattiesburg uh, to start graduate school at USM and still wondering if maybe I had missed something um, because for so many years I felt God leading and directing me to go to the nations. I had led and taught small groups to encourage people in those groups to ask and to pray and ask God if he was leading them to do the same. But here I was, no mission organization would send me now as a type 1 diabetic. And so I felt defeated and unsure of, of how I was supposed to play a role of, in this mission of God thing that I had built my whole future around. Um, you know, I thought, had I, had I made a mistake? Um, because how could, how could I be obedient to the call of God in my life if that meant that I had to be in another country or... If I couldn't be overseas, what was, what was the purpose of all this? Was I just destined to be disobedient? <laughs> um, but all of these questions are, are the, the wrong questions. Um, they're all centered on what I could do for God. Um, but what God was teaching me um, is what it meant to pick up my cross, and even the cross of missions, or what I thought missions was, and follow him. In Genesis 12, God called Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God's call to Abram is full of uncertainty. It's just go and trust me. Didn't know where he was going. There wasn't directions. But that's not all of it. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who 
bless you. And, and, in, and in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God, as he always does, kept his promise to Abraham. He changed his name and made him the father of a nation. The faith of Abraham is not in this call. It's in the promise of the call. God affirms and formalizes his covenant in Genesis 15, demonstrating that God will keep it. And in Genesis 22, Abram, now Abraham, is tested with the command to sacrifice his son. But the test of this is not just about the sacrifice of the son. It's about his faith in the promise. Do you believe that God will keep his promise to you? Because if you do, you know the story does not end in death. This story ends in life for you and for me. And all the nations of the earth who are united in the resurrection of Christ will also receive that life. But in the meantime, we live in the in-between. In Jeremiah 29, 4-7, God speaks to that. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. You may not call me called to be a missionary, and that's okay. But here's a glimpse of mission at home here today. As we live in the exile, as we wait for that restoration of God's kingdom, our call as Christians in the world is just to be Christians in the world, to live our lives in a way that isn't selfish, to live our lives that isn't driven by the same things that our society tells us to be, but is driven instead by him, is driven instead by a love for God and for people. I know I was flanked by that earlier. That message is part of the application of this that we apply today, that we love God first and he enables us to love people, to live your life, to have families, and model the love of God in those families and a life of faith. Our church in Hattiesburg is reading through the book of Exodus right now, and it's just been really fun to read back through that story. It's a, a story that we're both really familiar with, but as we read through it, some of those details that maybe we, um, just when you grow accustomed to reading this story over and over again, you can lose those details. And so there's a verse in Exodus that Jason and I have been talking about for the last few weeks, um, and it's the verse when God calls Moses to go to Pharaoh to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. Um, like so many of the passages in Scripture that are talking about God sending his people, um, I only remembered the command that God gave to Moses to go. However, that was not the command that God gave Moses. Um, in Exodus 3, verse 10, God says to Moses, Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God's command and call to Moses was first and foremost to come to him. The call that God has put on our lives is one of go and tell the good, the good news of the gospel to all nations. But before we can do that, we must first come and know and taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, God has been calling his people to be on mission with him since Genesis 1, um, and we know he will do it. We see this in Revelation 7-9. We see all tribes, tongues, nations, and people surrounding the throne of God, worshiping. Um, <clears throat> he calls us, he commands us to come to him 
And he is faithful to all of his promises. Like that verse in Joshua that I read earlier that I dated when I was in the hospital in the Philippines because I didn't know if I believed it. Um, But I know today he is faithful to all of his promises. None of them fail um, like that scripture. And Joshua said he will use his church to see that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to all nations. But it's probably not going to look like what we expect. Uh, He sends us to the nations, but first, our call is to be his children, uh, to know him, to be loved by him, to be faithful with what he has given us today. And so the command that he gives us is, come and I will send you. As we begin to wrap this together, what you've heard is a God who, one, called us to himself. He saved us, brought us to him, that we may know him, we may believe in his salvation and have that promise of the future. But he also called us to serve him. And we found that as we served him, that in any way that we did that in our own efforts, it failed. And even in times when we had faith in him, it didn't work the way we thought it would, to the point where we ended up back here in a way that we didn't expect to be. But this is further a demonstration of God's faithfulness to us, that he is working in a way that we don't understand and know. And so you've seen that in us, that we've also learn these lessons, and we also find ourselves now in Hattiesburg and serving in our church, that we see God using us there in a way that we didn't expect. But it's incredible to see and be a part of his work in that. And we're also reminded of God's story, that he created things, and he created them good. And despite the fall and that separation, God is working to redeem all things. Again, all the work of God is reconciliation. He is reconciling us together as a people. He is reconciling us to himself that we may know him personally one day without the separation of sin. And it's through that redemption of Jesus that as we sang earlier, we sang about the blood applied to us for our salvation. And and in our world, singing about blood is a really weird thing. We can all just kind of collectively acknowledge that with each other. Blood, say, that's a weird thing to sing. But we believe that. We believe that God, through his sacrifice, through that atonement that is literal, spiritual and physical, those things are actually literally happening, where God is atoning for sin. We believe that, and that his sacrifice is applied to us. And what a powerful hope that is that the God of the universe has descended into that hole, the muck of the world that we are in, and said, you are not alone, and we are not going to quit. I'm going to bring you out of this. And he does that, and he demonstrates his faithfulness to do that over and over again so that one day all things will be made new, that the hurts of our lives and our pain and our sin that we take with us everywhere that we go, that God is restoring those things, making us white as snow, not only now but for eternity. But also our hope in this salvation is not just eternal. When we talk about resurrection, we don't just mean in the future, in the kingdom. We mean that now. That resurrection, that new life is offered to you today, now, before you leave this room. That if this story has in any way resonated with you, but you find that it's broken where you don't feel and you have not not experienced the application of that atonement to you. It has not been applied to you and you want that. You have that opportunity today. God offers that relationship to you. He is as near to you as he will ever be. You can know him and you can experience that. You can experience that first call to be loved by him and that second call to share that love with others. That is offered to you today, and I hope that you will choose to receive it. So currently, to wrap up our story, um, we are 
living in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, serving at our church. Um, I am teaching mathematics at the University of Southern Mississippi, which is a huge opportunity to care for students um, from all over the world um, that are studying at USM. Um, Jason is finishing his PhD at Gateway Seminary, and we're just praying and seeking God's will for what each day looks like to live faithfully with what God has given us that day. To apply a couple of these things here at the end. The mission of God, to see the gospel and the worship of God in all nations. But that starts in our hearts. We must first come to the Father. We are first and foremost called to be children of God. Trust Him. Second, God uses the church to accomplish His mission to all nations. But that starts with the church caring and supporting each other. And we help one another discern how God is leading. You, church, have done that for us. But that is a continual opportunity. God is also faithful. He is faithful to His promises to fulfill His mission. And He is faithful to redeem and restore the world, yes, but also to our hearts, to our lives, and those stories that we are telling. No matter how you are called to serve God, we are all called to love. We're called to love God with our lives where we are, to care for our community, our family, our church, and to communicate the powerful truth of God's love in every context God has placed us in. In this Missions Month, let's pray three things. One, that God would raise up laborers for his work. As this church has already sent so many over its years, that God would continue to raise up laborers for his work from his church and that of our communities, that he would call people to him. That he would open hearts to the gospel. That's number two. That he would call people to himself out of our neighborhoods, out of our families, out of our work, that he would call people to himself to believe in him. And three, that he would show us how he is at work and show us how to join him in it where we already are. That we would see how God is already at work and join him in that where we already are. So let's pray for those things. Yeah, let's pray, guys. Our Father, we, God, we thank you. We thank you that your call, um, your command to us is to come to you, God, and you are a, a good father. When we come to you, your, your, your arms are open to us. God, we, we thank you that we are your children. Um, God, that we are known and loved by you. God, and that you desire just to, to be in, in, in fellowship with us. You desire um, for us to be calling out to you in prayer just constantly throughout the day. God, you desire for us to know you, um, God, and to be known by you. God, God, I pray right now just for, God, just the millions of, of people um, around the world that have not received that call to come to you. God, who do not know that you are their loving Father who desires to, to know them and to be known um, by them. God, we pray that you would, that you would raise up um, just faithful Christians, God, who would, who would desire to, to move their lives to a place where the gospel is not yet known so that they can extend that, that call to come and know you and see that you are good. God, we pray um, that as people are going, as, as Christians are, are are going out even here in in Mobile, Alabama, God, and sharing with 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 people who maybe maybe have heard the gospel, but maybe have heard a different version or or a, a, a broken 
um, version or who have had been broken. God, we just, we pray that you would soften and open hearts, God, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, God, that you would fill our hearts and our minds and our mouths, God, as we go out, God, that we would be bold and excited to share the good news of the gospel, um, God, because we know that it, it is the only power, God, that is possible to give us salvation, that it's possible to restore us back into your family. God, we, um, we pray that, that you would use Westmobile Baptist Church, God, um, to see your mission further, God, here in Mobile, God, through Alabama, through the Southeast, God, and through to the nations. God, we pray, um, God, we also just thank you, God, that you've given us this call to yourself, God, that you desire just to, to show us, to, to, to love us, um, and reveal to us just how you've, you've created us to be part of your mission, of your church, God, we, we thank you that we can be part of that, God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen.